That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. This had to be Charlie, who worked with dragons in Romania. Charlie was built like the twins, shorter and stockier than Percy and Ron, who were both long and lanky. He had a broad, good-natured face, which was weather-beaten and so freckly that he almost looked tanned. His arms were muscular, and one of them had a large, shiny burn on it. Bill got to his feet, smiling, and also took Harry's hand. Bill came as something of a surprise. Harry knew that he had worked for the Wizarding Bank Gringotts and that Bill had been head boy at Hogwarts. Harry had always imagined Bill to be an older version of Percy, fussy about rule-breaking and fond of bossing everyone around. However, Bill was... there was no other word for it. Cool. He was tall, with long hair that he had tied back in a ponytail. He was wearing an earring, with what looked like a fang dangling from it. Bill's clothes would not have looked out of place at a rock concert, except that Harry recognized his boots to be made, not of leather, but of dragonhide. It's hot. They're both so hot. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, the show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that that story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 5, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Harry makes it safely to the Weasley's house, but the twins are anything but safe when Molly learns that they fed a ton-tongue toffee to Dudley Dursley. She's mad all day until finally the family sits down for a nice dinner before going to bed early because they all have to get up early for the Quidditch World Cup tomorrow. Did I mention that we get to meet Bill and Charlie? Because we do. Welcome to the Restricted Section, where we firmly condemn entrepreneurship of any kind. If you don't work for the government, we're not proud of you. I am delighted to be joined by my amazing friend. I didn't pre-choose adjectives, Brooke. Say hello to the listeners, Brooke. Hello. I am, in fact, a government employee, so it all works out. And we are delighted to be joined as well by Mike today. Say hello to the listeners, Mike. Hello. I am a proud, unemployed American. (laughs) Deadbeat husband of yours. That's all right. I like being a sugar mama. It's a power (laughs) dynamic that works well for me. (laughs) It's pretty kinky. Mike, it's been a hot minute since you've been on the podcast. How have you been? Uh, I've been great, you know, just living in this semi-post-apocalyptic world that, you know, we call America in 2021, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just waiting for the zombies to show up, you right. know, so. I don't mean to fully call you, you out, but I, it's gonna, there's a point to it. You said, you accidentally misspoke and said apocalyptic, and that <laughs> would be such a great album name. Apocalyptic. Yes. Apocalyptic. Yeah. And it lived for like a pop album. So here's another thing. Uh, I've been married to an English major. Uh, so that in its own right is trauma. Uh, I thought you were going to make an apoplectic joke. And anyway, she's friends with other English majors. <laughs> it means um, like, um, it means like so mad that you like can barely talk, right? I don't know. You've outlived me on that one. What? Apo. 
apoplectic. I'm Googling it and it means overcome with anger or in stream, extremely indignant. And you often see it like, um, apoplectic with rage. Folks, she nailed it. Damn, things Thank I thought you. I would be doing with my Wednesday night. <laughs> So we are here today to talk about the Goblet of Fire, Chapter 5, Weasley's, pause, wizard, pause, wheezes. Crushed it. There is simply no way to say this any faster than you just said it right there. Just say www.weasleyswizardingweezes.com. I um have like a Reese's Pieces Reese's Pieces moment with mm, this where I mm-hmm. always think that it's Weasley's Wizard Wheezies instead of Wheezes. But like what does this name even mean? I think so Wheezes being like you're wheezing with laughter. Okay. So they're like wizarding jokes that will make right. you wheeze with laughter and mm. they're made by the aforementioned Weasleys. Right. I probably would have just called my company like Weasleys and left it at that because it's kind of cute by itself. I, but aren't they like an old magic family? Like, that's a thing, right? Like, people would know. (laughs) They could be a bank (laughs) or like a law firm. Weasley, 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 and Weasley. Or a grocery store. Grocery stores be named everything. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, a Kroger is not inherently food-based. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Also, if you met somebody named Kroger, you wouldn't just automatically be like, oh, of the Krogers. A grocery man, I see. <laughs> a grocer, indeed. Fine, a fine American family, the Krogers. <laughs> so the chapter starts with Harry fluing really hard into the Weasley's kitchen. He's escaping the last chapter. Um, he left... Dudley with his tongue growing, Uncle Vernon throwing China, Aunt Petunia uh, screaming in fear, and Arthur just trying to figure it out. I just love that as soon as he's out, soon as he's out the fireplace, Fred's just like, did he eat it? <laughs> it's just like the most like boy prank moment of yes. like, did it work? Yeah, it definitely was um, premeditated for sure. <laughs> Evidently. He, like, explains, Fred explains, that he and George invented these candies, and they've been looking for someone, anyone, to test them on. I'm surprised they didn't get any takers from within their family to have (laughs) your tongue grow up to a ton in weight out of your mouth. Yeah, maybe if I was, like, a parent, I would be like, okay, I can probably fix anything you might do to me. But, like, maybe not, though. I mean... But it's his parents are not supportive of this nonsense. Right. So it's not a thing where it's like, it's not like when your daughter is like, I want to be a hairdresser. And you're like, all right, you get to cut this section of hair. You know what I mean? Like, right. so that you can try it out. Or like, you know, you like let your three-year-old put makeup on you. Like that Yeah, is, that's temporary. Yeah, this is like, if this goes wrong, we're dealing with new magic. Well, it's true. It's true. But also, they've been trying it on themselves. So I feel like that would help persuade me as if you've done it on yourself like six times and it's worked fine every time. I I might try it. (laughs) Maybe, probably. I would honestly, I like to think that, okay, they've been obviously making these all summer and they've been looking for someone to try it out on. Does that mean that like the twins have just been like up in the kitchen, like 
just try like baking up a storm of toffees <laughs> interesting that's like, a good you question ca- you can't magic food right that's one of the rules right i mean so you-, you if you have the ingredients you could they could like be magicking it, it like in their oh i don't think they're well, allowed to do magic yet but actually they might be able to i don't remember they they can they're not old enough, but I think we've talked before about how, like, maybe kids who have magical parents can do magic at home because, like, how can they tell it's not the parents? Right. But they could be using, like, a cauldron or something in their bedroom. I mean, we do hear later in the chapter that they've been, like, people have been hearing bangs coming from their room for quite oh, some yeah. time. Right. Yeah, indeed. I guess that's um when the potion doesn't quite work. I'm just, like, I'm just hoping that, like, this, I feel like part of the reason, my headcanon, the reason that Molly is so upset by this is because she has been working with the twins all summer to perfect a toffee recipe (laughs) that she thought she was passing down to them as, like, an important family (laughs) recipe, only to find that they've been enchanting it to cause nonsense. Oh, my God, that's, like, if my grandma gave me her, like, beloved family brownie recipe, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna put some weed in it, though, she'd be like, that is not what the, this recipe was intended for. A hundred percent. My grandma used to give me $20 bills in college and say, don't spend this on weed. And I would be like, well, it's the only 20 I have on me, so I'm going to spend it on weed for sure. You gave me cash. If you don't want it spent on weed, write a check. Also, wow, way to date yourself because, man, that's a simpler time. $20? Wow. That gets you pretty far. That's, uh, dang. (laughs) I used to need a lot less weed to go on. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because of the the post-apocalyptic America that we live in, as you mentioned previously. Of course. Um, so let's talk about how Fred and George giving this candy to Dudley is p- bullying. <laughs> this kid hasn't done anything malicious in, like, three books, honestly. I mean, uh, yes, but also no. He's got a lasting legacy of yeah, shittiness. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta stop that because, like... I think the fact is, is we've all been reading this book very slowly, chapter by chapter. Now, what what are we going on over a year now? Whereas a lot of us, when we first consumed these books, like chugged through like two, three, four, some of us like five books, all literally in like one mm-hmm. magical mm-hmm. go. So in a lot of ways across the whole like psyche of many readers, you get this aspect of no, fuck him. I still remember him from the first book. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. Whereas if you were to read it very slowly, yeah, you would be kind of like, why are they? Come on. It's been a couple of years now, guys. Let it go. Yeah, especially like Fred and George, because they've never even met the kid. They don't know how skewed Harry's storytelling might be. They're older and they're magical. (laughs) But they're also just like down to clown at a moment's notice. Like that is their entire character type. Fred and George are 100% the people that you can call at 3 a.m. because you're in prison in Alabama. And they're just like... (laughs) All right, we're we're coming. <laughs> for the record, I would come for you in prison in Alabama if you needed me to. Thank you so much. I intend to never get imprisoned in Alabama. <laughs> well, not Alabama for sure. For the record, I would not. One, because, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Um, But actually, you know, I think going back to the Weasley Brothers, I think this chapter is probably a really actually important chapter. And I know it might get overlooked because it's so short and it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of fluff. But I think one of the reasons why this chapter is so important is because in a lot of ways, Goblet of Fire is like the first like real deal adult serious like Harry Potter book. And Mm -hmm. I think for Mm -hmm. a lot of fans, it is that 
that key pivotal moment where it's like, okay, like we went from fun, fun little adventures on the side to now a coherent plot that will follow through for the rest of the series. And I think JK Rowling uses the Weasley brothers kind of in a lot of ways, like Shakespeare, we, me and Brooke just saw like Henry V. And I was thinking back. There's, Ooh, my second yeah, favorite Henry. Yeah. And I, and I keep thinking back. There's the, there's this reoccurring theme with these soldiers that are just goofing off. And it, and when you watch it, you're kind of like, what? what's the point of this, this thing? But they add a lighthearted a moment and they add kind of just a fun little distraction. Because in this book, we're dealing finally with the serious ramifications of magic. Magic right. law, magical powers, like magic can kill now. Um, mm-hmm. And here we see people enjoying magic as a child would enjoy magic for fun, for laughter, for jokes. And they constantly remind us of that. And I think that's kind of why it's on full display here where, yeah, they're doing all these things, but it's harmless. Like, oh, look what they did to the Dursleys. But it's like, ah, it's okay. Um, Whereas everything else in this book, we see magic being used and it's permanent. Mm -hmm. It is can be like, you know, you get hurt. Um, But with the Weasley brothers, you're kind of like, hey, like that was a that was a fun little ride. Don't do it again. (laughs) Later in the book, they turn Neville into a canary, like, suddenly. <laughs> and also, that's why I would have a threesome with them. Oh. Dude, indeed. because, dude, you just feel like it'd be a good time. You feel like there'd be some joking. And even if there was something <laughs> awkward that happened during it all, you, you know, you could just laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> I feel like Fred and George would play really upbeat music in the background and, like, dance when they're not directly involved. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I think having a threesome with those two would be pretty... Yeah, be pretty, 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 pretty wantastic. The twins um definitely like house music. I think for what it's worth. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other, uh, the other like number one on it. My number one threesome pairing of the Weasley family gets introduced in this chapter. I was gonna as well. say, is this the best segue ever? Go ahead. Bill and Charlie are dun, dun, dun. literally in the house. Yeah, they're in the house. Um. Harry's never met them. Charlie is muscular and burned and hot. And Bill is tall and rock and roll and cool and hot. So here's the thing. The initial characterization that we get when we meet Charlie is probably some of my favorite character introduction that we get in the series. Like, these are the two best introductions in the entire series. Yes, it paints such a picture for these characters that ultimately are pretty inconsequential. Just like the... The fact that, like, so the first time Harry meets Charlie, he literally, it's, he, uh, he holds out his hand to shake it, and it says that Harry shook feeling calluses and blisters under his fingers. And, like, to have Mm. that be the Mm -hmm. first thing you learn about a character, I'm just like, like, yes, like, you get it immediately. You're like, this is a man that, like, does hard shit, you know? Yeah. You know, he's like he's a little bit stockier. We get, like, the fact that, yeah, he's got, like, recent burns on his hands. And then I do only just want to contest the fact that Bill, to say that Bill is unmistakably cool is a very 90s conception of cool. Because he is introduced as wearing a fang earring, his mm-hmm. hair in a ponytail, and wearing dragon skin leather boots. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know how much, like, rock and roll that is as much as it is just like Aerosmith you know what I mean right I I always imagined him being Billy Idol except with red hair 
Okay. Like, you know, right. like if you have ever like seen press photos of Billy Idol, like eighties Billy Idol. Yeah. Okay. Where you're like you're kinda like you just you just expect him to be like, you know, like with a rebel yell. <laughs> like a single fang earring just reads as very crocodile dundee to me. I think he would rock it. I imagine him wearing almost like a um Oh my god. I don't know the kind of jacket it is, but like almost like a Victorian era, like a like a like a knee length like like dragon leather jacket or something, like very hip to like tie the whole outfit together. See, I thought you were talking about like um like a My Chemical Romance black parade jacket. Oh, Ooh, yeah, yes. like that. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my notes uh, that I wrote a long time ago encourage me to now initiate a detailed conversation about who you would fuck and it reminds me to refer to our Twitter poll from July 28th and 29th of this year so I went back in time on the Twitter We I asked on our Twitter who would you fuck Bill or Charlie and we got a whopping 23 votes I think this is pretty much the hottest debate of the series, except for that it's so overwhelmingly skewed every time. <laughs> so, um, Is it all Charlie? 35% said Bill and yep. 65% said Charlie. Here's the thing Charlie is introduced as like sexy, strong, manly man, and Bill is introduced as a banker with an earring. <laughs> that reminds me of like my friend's stepdad has an earring that he got really recently, you know. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like and like you're like you get some like a couple of teases about like what it is he does, but it's like as long as I find treasure, it's fine, but it's like <laughs> you work for a bank. Like I grew up with a parent who worked for the bank and like singular earrings and male ponytails are not the vibe of a bank. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would, like, super consensually fuck Bill, like, enthusiastically. But here, as Haley said in a co- Twitter comment on our poll from July of 2021, which is this year, Haley said, I mean, no hate to Bill. He's objectively hot. I just have a type and it's butch himbo nature boy. <laughs> yeah, there's just something very, like, chaotic wilderness energy, you know? Yes. Almost like a puckish figure. He dances I, with dragons. I see that. I see that. Nah, dude, do the twins. <laughs> I'm nah, not gonna man. do both the twins. Dude, well, that's just because you're not adventurous. Um, <laughs> yeah, do the twins. The uh, twins are gigantic, though. Um, not their penises. Yeah, they're just yeah. tall. Um, those actors are are like six three at least. They're very tall. Like I said, you know, take take a fun ride, enjoy it. I'm not saying date them. Hell, I'm not <laughs> even saying go on a date with them. I'm just saying, text them late at night, hey you up, <laughs> and just, you know, go over there and just have some fun. I'm That's afraid a- that I would reach out in the dark to grab a penis and it would turn into a mouse to startle me. And and that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the fun of it, you know, like, that's kind of the fun of it. You don't know if they're uh, laughing at you or laughing with you, you just, you know. <laughs> but I do know that they're laughing inside me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. How do I how do I transition from this into like disciplining your children? That's the thing. Mr. Um, Weasley comes in so hot like I am going to be a disciplinarian in this moment. It, but it's be, it's so funny to me. Here's the thing. If Sean and I had seven children, we we would be these people and sometimes we're like interacting with the cats and I'm like this is why we can't have kids. And it's like 
it's things like this where it's like Arthur obviously wasn't going to tell Mrs. Weasley, who's been on this mission all summer of trying to set her kids on track. <laughs> He's like one of the kids who's like, now we all know your mother is a hard ass. So I'm not going to tell her. I think part of the problem is that the kids like think it's hilarious and they're like roaring with laughter. And Arthur is like, I just had to deal with so many, so many things before I left that house. Well, I think also, I mean, he brings up the fact that he's, like, mostly upset because of the mistreatment of muggles issue. Right. This is a thing that, like, speaks to his, like, only hobby as a wizard, which is he's like, I had a moment, finally, in a muggle household to just be there with their muggle things. I was looking at outlets. I was having the grandest of times, even though we had to do all this crazy shit to get Harry out. This was a moment for me, and you decided to unprovoked attack a muggle. Right. In it's my true, goddamn but, presence. But they say, they insist that they gave this candy to him, not because he's a muggle, but because he's, quote, a great bullying git. Which is not, like, completely untrue, but he just wasn't doing anything this summer. He was, like, very scared already. Anyway, Arthur's like, you wait till I tell your mother, and then Molly immediately enters the room. Like, tell me what? <laughs> yeah, she's like, tell me what. Um, and Arthur's immediately like, oh, I, I was not intending to tell you anything. This yeah. was this was a hollow threat. At <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> um, tell tell you what, I'll I'll tell you what. The okay. Harry and the twins were having <laughs> a a real lark, and you just can't you can't dance like that uh, in the middle of a flu powder session. <laughs> Tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, uh, the twins definitely weren't railing some chick, that's for sure. <laughs> See, that's the thing is, Arthur is a bad liar. I, we have no evidence for this, but like, he definitely is. He has the like demeanor of a bad liar. Yeah, he's just too good. Uh, Sean's the same way. Sean is a terrible liar. Um, he just can't fake it. So Molly, I just, I just want to make a note of this and then we'll move swiftly on. But a lot of the last two chapters we spent harping on how grotesquely obese and like waddling Dudley Dursley was. And Molly Weasley's also fat and she gets described, uh, she gets described as plump because she's a good person. She gets the Santa Claus treatment. She gets the Santa Claus Santa Claus treatment. She gets um, it's like a joyfully yep. plump, plump and jolly. <laughs> Look, he, she definitely doesn't suffer from diabetes. She's just living her best life, you know. They're ostensibly super duper poor, but like they're super duper poor. She sews her own clothes. She's like overweight and harried and like her, she's got seven kids to keep track of and two of them are barely graduating from school. But you know what? Like she's a really nice person. <laughs> she's so happy though. Right. Um, it's immediately clear that that Mr. Weasley was not actually going to tell Molly, as we mentioned. Yeah. And so then, but it's enter Hermione and Ginny. Um, and then like, they, they're just standing there. Everyone's just standing there. And then, like, the Molly Arthur twins things, like, really escalates very quickly. But also, like, and this is one of those things where, like, a movie Hermione would never pick up on the social cues inherent to this conversation and being like, hey, Ron, Harry, welcome. We should go check out where Harry's going to be staying so you yeah. can put his bags down. And Ron's like, huh? And she's like, we should go now. Like, <laughs> like movie Hermione would just be like, I don't understand human interaction. Is this yeah. a book? 
You know what I mean? Like It's even like more subtle. She's like, we can all go. Hermione said pointedly. Like mm-hmm. it's they, there is a lot more subtlety of like dialogue here, I think, because just writing that someone does something pointedly is a lot easier than getting like a like a 14-year-old actress to like say something very pointedly. Yeah, I think I think the big key point is you have a dialogue that's written by an adult versus a dialogue that has to be acted out by yes. a child. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, there's always going to be limitations to that. Um, yeah, totally. So who? Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny, they they leave. And Ron, they're like walking up. All, there's like a whole like West Wing, like um, montage of like, not montage of, but like, um, what am I trying to say? Like the one shots like of them like walk walking down the hall, but yeah. it's just a walk and talk, but it's just up the stairs, up yep. the seven flights of stairs or whatever. Um, Ron's explaining to Harry, what is Weasley's wizarding wheezes? We learned that Molly found some order forms in the twins' room. Um, they were, like, obviously going to st- want to start selling these at Hogwarts next year. They have um, loads of trick wizard shit. Um, but obviously it is kind of dangerous. Um, so Molly put her foot down and burned their order forms. The most ridiculous part of this is the fact that Molly's so against it because it's like, Dude, your kids are your kids have an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. They've actually created products that are like well above what they should be able to do at this point in their lives. Yes, and they have successfully already taken orders. They like they've sold them already. They're doing it. They've got a freaking Etsy shop. Imagine if Bill Gates, who started his company, was it Bill Gates or Steve Jobs? One of them started their company in a garage. Imagine mm. if their parents would have come in and been like, get your shit out of my garage. I need to park a car. <laughs> that's a lot of electric wires. That yeah, looks that's, dangerous. That's a lot of electric wires. <laughs> and, you know, and you're like, what could have been? Yeah. Uh, Molly's like, was already mad because the twins didn't get as many owls as she expected. O-W-L-S. Um, how did the fuck do owls work? How do you get one? What does that mean? I think it's like if you pass it, you get it. It's such a weird way to phrase it. I think they're all done on like a pass fail system. What? I don't know. I think it's I think it's supposed to hearken to a lot of standardized testing because don't forget in England their school system is much more stricter. So uh I forgot what we had in school. I think it was called like the Topeka or something like that. There's like standardized Topeka, test. Kansas? Yeah, it was like a standardized test and they gave it some dumb name. But like I think it's supposed to be like that. It's like, oh, you're supposed to get your standardized marks. So like the concept was is like there's these standardized tests and if you don't do well on them that's bad I, that's what mm. i always I took mean, from the owls i i think because they are like individual examinations and like a variety of things i think to get an owl means that you like pass that particular examination because they take a lot of them they take like seven but so what does that what does that mean for th- for their school career can they like not continue taking classes in a subject if they don't get an owl in it the previous I, year i think so like i think that it, it like tests you into upper levels of things it's like if you took like a french language proficiency test and they were like you don't get to go to advanced french because you cannot write a whole essay in french and that's a required yeah. skill for uh, the upper level i think it's a very like i said a very european mindset you know yeah. like europeans their their education is very structured and then as you go further up it becomes much more narrow narrow whereas American education is very broad, mm-hmm. very much a, a liberal arts kind of gets your taste in everything. 
And well, I think maybe it's kind of a concept that as an adult, if you didn't get owls in that, they're like, well, you can't open up the store. You can't practice this kind of magic because you didn't do good in, uh, in transfiguration. Therefore, you cannot practice transfiguration. Well, I don't know that it's like that you can't ever do it, but I think that it, I think it just disqualifies you. It's because um, like with uh, the UK university system, their undergraduate degrees are only three years long because you do your first year of your undergraduate degree in high school, like our version of high school, because you've already tested into a university track or a non-university track. Oh, interesting. And then you've already picked a specialization by that point. So like huh. you you already know. So I, I think this is meant to kind of roughly approximate that system where you would like you would be testing in a really I think you take owls in a large number of subjects and you take fewer newts later. Yeah, on. I think um I think that in book 5 before his owls Harry does like career guidance with yeah. McGonagall. Yeah. Um and that's pretty much what that is. And I think too like when she wrote this book I don't think she ever I don't think she ever really imagined a worldwide audience. Right. You know what I mean? So I think she was just hopeful that she was like, maybe this will take off in England and some other Commonwealth countries. So I think there are things that are intentionally added, maybe not even by her, maybe later by her editors, where they were like, mm -hmm. kids will relate to this better if we have these kind of generic kind of concepts that are similar, but not too similar to what most kids go through in school. Yeah, that makes sense. The Weasley twins told Molly that all they want to do after school is open a joke shop. Um, Molly wants them to go into the government. And it's just, like, so funny because, like, obviously not with this much chaos. Like, they're not going into the government. Like, like she's in denial, I think. Well, we've also talked about the fact that there are th ostensibly three career tracks in right. the entirety and they're of not gonna the be wizarding teachers. world. Yeah, it's teachers, government, or entrepreneurship. They are too chaotic for teacher or government. Like, this right. is the only option left to them. What are they supposed to do otherwise, Molly? Yeah, exactly. So they are still walking up the stairs. They meet Percy on the landing. He comes out of his room in a huff and asks them to shut up from thundering up and down the stairs. Okay, so he has this weird conversation with them about standardizing cauldron bottoms because he's saying like foreign imports have been a little bit on the thin side and it's causing extra leakage and like is this an intentional like made in china joke like is that what we're to take here like that the like the classic thing of like oh you know like like made in china is exactly a mark of quality there you know what i mean like which, right. is that what this is alluding to if you think about it from a geopolitical standpoint once again, going back to the brilliance of J.K. Rowling, she foresaw a lot of the trade issues that would come with the issues. <laughs> Mike has a knife in his China hand. I just want everyone to and, know. <laughs> uh, and America and the current uh, destabilization of the supply chain. And really, I think she foresaw that. And I think what she's trying to really hint at and warn her readers is, is that, you know, Tesla stock and Bitcoin mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. is definitely going to roll in. And if you're not doging, uh on the robin hood um so i think that's really um i think that's really what she was trying to get at yeah we can look for that some more throughout the rest of the chapter <laughs> <laughs> yeah percy's just bragging about work um and which okay did percy graduate is that what happened yeah is this last his, year this is his like job job yes his job job because he was head boy last year like i'm kind of shocked that he didn't try harder to move out 
Yeah. Also, like, what? Eight, like, dude, what? Eighteen-year-old. I'm sorry, man. I, I was a nineteen-year-old like waiting tables at Olive Garden. I, what? Eighteen-year-old is just sitting there being like, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, I could see Percy being like, from a logical perspective, I save a lot of money by staying at home with my parents. But like, clearly, he's not happy here. He's like, there's so much chaos all around me, and it's like, yeah, there's always gonna be, dude. Like, yeah. Maybe he's waiting to see how it is when the kids go to school for the year, though. Uh, maybe. Also, maybe maybe the wizarding housing market is pretty uh, stifled. <laughs> Yo, where is he going to move to, like, live near other... I guess London, because that's where the ministry is. Well, also, like, once again, going back to, like, English culture and European culture in general, that's very, very common. Like, in America, we kind of What, this... wizards moving out of the house? Well, yes, wizards, wizards in general. No, actually, wizards staying home. Yeah, well, yeah, but, I like, see, see. in Europe, we see a lot... It's, it's very common if you're 20 21 22 to be living at home in fact it's kind of expected so i think it's not odd really to be like i have a job i'm stable i have what many americans would view as the the impetus to move out but i'm not going to because housing is hard to get and uh commuting is very difficult um you save money i'm gonna save money so i live at home with my parents it's similar to like um like the northeast of the US. Like a lot of my friends that I know that live in like New Jersey and like Long Island and like New York, they live with their parents for longer cuz their their parents are just like this makes more sense. Like you can't really actually afford to live on your own. Like just live here for a little bit longer until you can like save up enough money mm-hmm. that you can get an apartment on your own. Yeah. But I don't know, it just struck me as particularly weird for Percy because he just like he clearly hates being in this environment so much. Yeah, and also they live in fucking Ottery Saint Saint Catchpole, which is like not the place to live to like be thriving as like a young adult and moving your career ahead. Like in the I world. think he would want to be around other, like other wizards, like in a other in a more thriving environment, so that he could like network and like rub elbows with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's true. So Ron and Percy like fight and they Percy slams the door and Ron stomps up the stairs. And finally they make it all the way up to Ron's room at the top of the house. And um, there's actually like a really, really adorable illustration of it in my Jim K illustrated edition that I'm going to post on Instagram today um, of Ron's little room. I love it so much. It's very orange, but the illustration makes it look kind of lovely, you know? And uh, Ron's old rat, Scabbers, was here no more. Okay, sure. It's like we keep, don't have time to go into that backstory. <laughs> okay, I have a real question because there's a big debate in this mm-hmm. moment. And I want to know from our listeners, and we'll put a poll up on the Twitter, Pigwidgeon as an owl name, cute or catastrophic? <laughs> but also Pig, though. I like Pig as a nick. I'm actually with Ron on this. I think Pig is a cuter nickname okay. than Pigwidgeon is as a full name. I'm also, it just sounds cool. Here, piggy, 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 piggy. Sue. <laughs> I don't think they sue at their pigs there, do they? I, you know, that's a great question. Uh, definitely not at their pig widgeons. If we have any English farmers listening, please comment. Stop threatening me I with that name. I don't know what you're talking about. It's my magical wand. It's my it's my pointy death wand. M- Michael calls it his magical <laughs> wand because when you're waving a knife at someone, they tend to do what you want them to. It's pretty BA. <laughs> um, but anyway, sweet. So, I mean, but pig witch, so, you, you do, as a whole name, I think it's catastrophic. I think that's right. terrible. Okay. Well, you can vote in the okay. Twitter poll. <laughs> 
There's usually two beds in this room for no reason because Ron sleeps in it by himself. But right now there's four beds because Charlie and Bill are sleeping in the twins' room. So the twins are sleeping in with Harry and Ron, which is the injustice. Where do you think – so Charlie lives in Romania. Where does Bill live? I think Bill has a cool bachelor pad. In like London or something. I'm going to put this on strong. I think Bill has found a bachelor pad loft with an observatory. (laughs) whoa i feel like that's his vibe so specific i like that um i'd fuck there anyway so they just like sit around and chat a bit ron's like talking about how percy is so obsessed with his job and his boss mr crouch Hmm, that'll never come up again there's a lot of like this little i don't know when this chapter takes place but like I'm shocked that it's not April because this is a little Easter egg hunt. Like, there are little Easter eggs all over this chapter. Wow. Okay. Damn. (laughs) Because we get the Mr. Crouch tease. Right. Bagman later. We're going to get to our our girl, Bertha Jorkins. Yeah, Bertha Jorkins. We're also, we also tease the like, oh, like suspicious secret event coming up later that we're all preparing for, which is OBS, the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, definitely. This whole chapter is just set up. And it also feels like the whole last chapter was just set up. And last chapter, we were talking about how just the chapter before that was all set up. Should have been some condensing of chapters around this part of this book. Like a good... Flan, we are at this point fully set. <laughs> fully set, and the next chapter is also kind of set up, and the chapter after that is when stuff starts to really happen, I think. It takes a while for everything to cure. It takes 130 pages to get to Hogwarts. We haven't had that kind of a wait since, like, the first book. You're right. The first book, they it did. there was a lot of buildup in the beginning. Yeah, but, like, because there was so much buildup in the first book, and because it was so frustrating, it's literally left the vibe that still sticks into all subsequent books where Harry's afraid of being stuck with the Dursleys. And even now we hate Dudley. Like, so that buildup still pays dividends even now. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, so wait, I can't remember. Goblet of Fire, by this point, this is the longest of all the novels, right? Yeah, oh, for like this, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, I remember, actually, I remember when this one came out, and I was like, holy thickness. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. That's also what he says to me every <laughs> night. <laughs> I do like him thick. Yeah, so once the yelling in the kitchen s- appears to subside from basically the attic where they are they go back downstairs to help with dinner molly is angry cooking which i've been there girl (laughs) dude same angry cooking is second only to angry dish cleaning yo so like my mom used to angry cook and she would make amazing dishes so as kids we would intentionally piss her off (laughs) like i mean just do outlandish things to just like to make her cook so it was like i knew that if i got in trouble at school and i came home i was like man i'm gonna get my ass whooped but we might have crab legs tonight michael is an amalgamation of fred and george oh my god that is so funny (laughs) so here's the thing is because she's mad she's being careless and also been there and so everything's going wrong also been there the potatoes are like shooting around the kitchen and like everything's like exploding and she's slamming stuff and she's having burns. yeah every, yeah it's it's a shit show um she's just in her own little world right now she's having a livid 
vivid monologue that just absolutely no one needs to she, she wants no one to engage with her like she's just on a roll she's clearly this is coming from a, a good place she's just very very worried about her kids for sure and i i do want to i say that this is like this is another big difference. Molly in the books isn't just like a vapid, overly supportive, quirky mom. You know, like in the movies, she comes off as like not like the other moms, basically. Right. Where she's just like there for them all the time. Like whatever you want to do, like follow your dreams. I'm here to support you. And in the book, she's just like a real mom where she's real like, mom hey, like, with real troubles. I like I want you to do well. Like I don't want you guys to end up unemployed and sad. Like I would like to see you do something with your lives. Like I don't want you to be overweight, unemployed and sad. Just <laughs> looking after seven kids alone in the countryside. And you never really just, did anything with your life. She pops like seven Zoloffs and she's just like Ugh. Um so here's a question. She has she has rage. We see her rage like at different times. And I think that we can all agree that her family and her husband are, like, a little afraid of her emotional reaction to things. Is she maybe, like, a little emotionally abusive (laughs) or, like, manipulative? I don't think she's emotionally abusive or manipulative. I think she's just the glue that holds the family together and everyone is aware of that. So if she needs to be catered to, then she needs to be catered to. Interesting. Because if Molly gets too frustrated and walks out, like no one makes dinner, no one makes clothes, no one gets school supplies, the house doesn't get clean, like everything falls the fuck apart. It's true. As a man who lives in constant fear of his spouse, uh, I can sympathize a lot with their uh, captiveness uh, and how they're being held hostage by their mom, who is a violent, emotionally <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, manipulative human being. I see your perspective. Who has uh, monopolized basic chores within the house and used it as punishment to withhold. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm punishing you by withholding your Whoa, whoa, to do no, chores. Brooke. Nobody was comparing this to our relationship. Why would you make that correlation jump? But now that we're here, let's talk about that. Mike, it's, put the knife down. Yeah, <laughs> you still got a knife in your hands. Yes, and you have one at my heart right now. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, the boys, they just run outside for safety. And yep. um, Charlie and Bill are having a table fight. <laughs> Which table is fight. That's like the the cutest thing about them both is that they're like, this is a fun idea. <laughs> it's actual chaos. It, they like they don't chaos. stop until one of the tables breaks and then they just <laughs> magically glue it back together like I like I don't understand how Molly's like so caught up with like like what a toffee that made someone's tongue grow real big and then she does in the kitchen grab a fake wand that turns into a mouse yes that was probably very infuriating bad timing yep but like meanwhile her other two sons are fighting with her furniture outside and she's (laughs) just like oh but that's bill and charlie well once you've proven yourself and left the house you get to just be whoever you want to be you get free reign (laughs) Um, Percy, however, screams at Charlie and Bill out of the window to keep it down. (laughs) Well, and I love that, like, he screams at them and, like, Bill, without skipping a beat, is like, how's the cauldron bottoms coming on, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Like, just the most, like, 
I love watching the Weasley kids interact with each other because yeah. they are just the most siblingy siblings to ever sibling. Yeah, and I, I have we've wondered aloud on this podcast a lot about like the ex- the dynamic of the Bill Charlie Percy relationship before like other children were born, you know. Because it's Percy does seem to like not really fit in anywhere before a while. It was just the three of them. Like there does seem to be a real divide in the family. The twins are like Percy. a hard wall. Yeah. Because yeah. the twins are just so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. They had kids after the twins. I can only. Im- well, the twins are how much older than Ron? Like three years older than Ron? It's two? they're two years older. Gosh, that's late. I mean, I guess not. So they would have been like one-ish when Molly got pregnant again. And like, I could see at the point of like, all right, like they're one. They haven't really started developing like mm-hmm. outlandish. They're not particularly mobile at that point. And then like, right. by the time you have Ron, you're like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> and then you're like, please, please just give me a daughter. I'll do anything. And you have yep. that one last Hail Mary baby and you get Ginny. Which in the movies is a burden, but in the books, it's a great bounty. <laughs> also, I'm just going to say this. Wizarding condoms aren't all they're made up to be. They, they still use goat skin. It's, uh, We've talked about this before. super archaic. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Like, what is wizarding birth control? Surely they have very effective forms. I refuse to believe anything otherwise. Potions. Just like yeah. an easy potion. It tastes like LaCroix. Yeah, they have seven flights of stairs in their house. That's what they have, okay? <laughs> They're like, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, you trip down, boobadoo. Wow. I'm just, wow. I'm just saying, man, I just, I don't, uh, I don't really think they're, uh, they're mixing the potions on Planned Parenthood in mm. the Wizarding World. Michael, Michael, put the knife down. <laughs> and I said, bibbidi-bobbidi, carve you out. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm taking the reins. Let's all sit down for a nice family dinner and be polite. Please take off your hat. Um, this meal sounds delicious. Yeah, for sure. Like, okay, we get chicken and ham pie, which yum, and then boiled potatoes, which I'm assuming are seasoned to some point, and then like a nice <laughs> salad. Like, this is an ideal meal to me. Um, and then dessert is um, they had their pudding. Homemade strawberry ice cream. I know that that's your kryptonite. Strawberries. I, I don't like the strawberry. But it still sounds delightful. Imagine if it was a different kind of berry. Home- homemade raspberry ice cream I could fucks with. Blackberry for sure. I don't like strawberries. I find their flavor to be off-putting. Uh, but okay. I'm I'm alone in that. It's your only character flaw. I am as alone in not liking strawberries as Haley is alone in not liking cheese. <laughs> like I accept that I'm the only person in the world. One of one of the things I did like about the scene was the uh, the subtlety of having Paul Hollywood show up and give a handshake to Mrs. <laughs> Wait, I was just like, I was like, wow, it's the new season out yet, or have you guys only just been seeing all of the ads on social media like I have? I've just been seeing all the ads, all of the ads. They um they they posted on Instagram today themselves doing a parody of Achy Breaky Heart. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't with. <laughs> With that at all. Oh, dear. Oh, Lord. Um, but that actually is exactly the vibe that's happening right now is Great British Bake Off. Definitely at Fleur and Bill's wedding in the Weasley backyard in the last book that, like, the big tent, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really like the exchange about work that happens here between Percy and Mr. Weasley mm-hmm. because 
This is exactly how my father and I talk to each other about our jobs. My father and I are in different but related industries. Yeah, it's it's super exciting visiting your in-laws, let me tell you. <laughs> my dad and I are in different but related industries, adjacent industries. And when we talk, we talk exactly like this, where I'm like, I'm always like really fiery because I've just been in it less time. And I'm mm. like, oh, well, like so-and-so doesn't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. And my dad's just very patiently like... You know, there's wisdom in a lot of people you'll meet, even if you don't like working with them. Right. And it's just like very, it's like, you can tell Mr. Weasley's like proud of his boy, but he's also trying to like impart a little bit of like. He's like, hey, chill out. (laughs) Well, and it's also government and like anything in government is also politics. Like, you, you can't just be like burning half the people in the ministry and still expect to like do well there. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, they talk about um, Ludo Bagman because Mr. Crouch doesn't like Ludo Bagman, but Mr. Weasley says mildly that he likes the dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just is so funny to me. Um, Ludo Bagman got the Weasleys their tickets to the Quidditch World Cup, which is an excellent favor, if you ask me. Because that that sporting event is dope, and I don't even like sports. For the low, low price of Mr. Weasley not investigating his brother who definitely tampered with a muggle object yeah. oh yeah can we, can we talk about government bribery right now <laughs> like, that's of, literally what happened kind here. of the failed state that is like the magicianing world like wow the, like mr weasley straight up took a bribe to not pursue legal action against this dude's brother that's how they're going to the cup right now that's so funny i didn't even clock that yeah that's pretty par for the Pretty par for the course, I think, with this Dude, series. What if what if Voldemort, like, in a different world, was like, yeah, he's kind of bad because his methods aren't good, but like he's also like, hey, I have a political like foundation and I believe that like the current government's corrupt and I'm gonna like end it. And you're kinda like, Oh, okay, well that's I don't agree with how you're doing it, but he is kinda right. Mm-hmm. I also, another thing that's, like, very government to me that it gets mentioned in this is they mention that, like, Bertha's not good at any job, but, like, instead of firing her, they've just been moving her department to department for, like, years. Yeah. That's Which funny. Is, it's just very government to be it, like, it, yeah. we can't fire them, maybe they'll do better over here. <laughs> I just, Bertha Jorgens, I love her so much. I love just, like... A dumb bitch who's so happy and trying her best. That's like my favorite kind of person. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about Bertha Jorgens. She's missing. Percy's like, Mr. Crouch would never do this. And then Percy's like, there's this big event coming up. You know, the one father. The the top secret big event thing that we're working on that no one knows about. <laughs> But, like, actual question, like, is the Triwizard Tournament a surprise? Doesn't it occur on a schedule? It, I think they had to take a break because people got hurt or, or slash died. I think in mm-hmm. the last one, people died, so they took, like, a hundred-year break or something. <laughs> That's, sorry, that's just the most wizarding thing to be like, is to be like, these kids died. Should we maybe import safety measures or something like that? No, let's just take a year break forget about this horrible lessons well maybe it was like a 15 year break i don't know i know but you get what i'm saying they're like we'll just forget about it and repeat the past and everyone's like sounds pretty legit like, to me we figured out a way for people to probably not die this time no they're just like 
like they just wanted to hit a point where people are like, remember that fun tournament we used to do when we were in school? I can't remember. I can't remember where they stopped doing that. I mean, yeah. My question is why they would logistically, from like a governmental administrative standpoint, why would you choose to do to host the Quidditch World Cup and host the Triwizard Tournament in the same year within like a couple months of each other? This is actually terribly interesting, and it was actually answered in some fan fiction. There is this contest that's held every year in Europe called Eurovision. And you see uh, the Wizarding English team won that year. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix. It's called, uh, what's it called, Brooke? They're, Euro- in, they're in from Iceland. <laughs> well, no, that's Don't not you it- disrespect Fire Saga <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh- I love that movie. That movie got but me dude, through some dark times. What if times. that was it? What if like the Wizarding World had their own version of Eurovision and they're like, whoever wins Eurovision this year gets to hold that tournament where the kids die. <laughs> and everyone's like, worth it. Like, fuck yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Do they just like randomly select other schools every time? It's only three schools, man. It is well, three no, schools. But that's the thing is like you get, they go into talking about the World Cup and they're kind of mentioning all of the teams that played in the, I suppose, runoffs or playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, fully global. Like, we get, like, Ireland, Obvi, Bulgaria, Obvi. But we also get um, Peru, Luxembourg, Wales, Scotland, and Uganda. I thought we were talking about the Triwizard Tournament. No, no, no. Sorry. This is... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like maybe the Triwizard Tournament just like bounces around the world with like different sets of combinations of schools going on. Is it always these same three? I, I think I think, I think so. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like kind of like... Uh, the European like, Yeah. Like, schools. well, like Harvard Harvard versus Yale kind of thing. It's kind of yes. like, hey, these three schools have this ongoing rivalry and it's kind of known. And so we let them kill each other yeah. recreationally? <laughs> But that's the point is we think we figured out how they can probably not maybe kill each other. Probably not. Probably no one will die. We don't really know because we haven't held this tournament in a hundred years. So we're not really sure, but fuck it. Let's do it. The Hogwarts promise. Probably no one will die. (laughs) You're like, you're sending your kid and along with like the first letter you get is like another owl with like a whole book of just forms you have to sign. Waivers. Just waivers waivers upon waivers. (laughs) So it's like the kid just gets this nice little letter, but the parents running around with like stacks of paper. And like one of them, because it's wizard, they're like, hey, you've got to sign this with your blood. And it's got to be like under a full moon. You're like, what? Why? And they're like, your kid might die. (laughs) Bold of you to assume that anyone in the wizarding world would value actual paperwork. (laughs) Um, it's cute during this part of the chapter, we're just getting little snippets of conversation. It's a little bit tedious. We could be doing other things right now, but we get Mrs. Weasley arguing with Bill about his earring. Um, no one at the bank gives a damn how I dress as long as I bring home plenty of treasure is his answer. I have a couple of questions. Is Bill a pirate? Is Bill bringing home treasure ethically? Is it possible for anyone who is a resident of Britain to bring home treasure ethically? I don't think, I think there's probably a 0% chance that this is fully ethical. Mm -hmm. But if we were to take a potentially ethical spin to it, I think there is a case to be made that maybe he does, he like tracks down like, like stolen items. You know what I mean? Like I could see. Like a spy. Yeah, basically. Like if, if Gringotts was like, hey, we were like making a, a cash transfer done in the olden days style where they like 
put it in a suitcase that gets chained to someone's wrist. Right. And it was like, they killed our messenger and they stole 2,000 gold. Like, go find it. Galleons, like, I could see that. Please. Galleons. <laughs> like, I could, they're going to go Um, But the, I could see it being like that kind of scenario where he like tracks down like, Let's say that that's what he's doing. Like misappropriated, stolen, or otherwise. Like I think people can report because mm-hmm. they don't have like a credit card. So if someone steals mm-hmm. your shit, you can't just like turn it off and get the money credited back to you. Like I think right. Bill's the back end of that. Okay, all right. I like that interpretation. Also, he might be a pirate. Just saying, he might be a pirate. I do like that. Like this is the most mom conversation in the world because yeah. like nothing. Like I and. You know, Tina, I know you've done the same on multiple occasions. Dyeing your hair funny colors gives you the exact same response from your parents. Where <laughs> they're true. like, your hair is rainbow. How can anyone respect you? Did they stop paying you a salary the minute that you did this? Right. And you're like, nope, believe it or not. I talked to the CEO like this and he doesn't care. Right. I am, in fact, the same person I was before. Yep. Shockingly, not a single person <laughs> I've ever been on a job with has been like, Dear God, you have a tattoo. Leave and never return. Right. <laughs> Leave and never return. Also, this is like the 90s. So that's kind of like wickedly Gen X. What? To be like, I have a dragon-like earring. And people are like, <laughs> dude. To be fair, he's a fang earring. We don't know what the fang is Okay, from. I always assumed it was a dragon. Oh, but it is. Easter eggy chapter. And what does Bill get bit by later? A werewolf? Maybe it's a werewolf thing. Interesting. Wow. He's from the moment he enters this series, he's tagged as a beast inside. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> they left their mark on him. <sighs> Interesting. Okay. Um, I have one last question. Go ahead. About their Quidditch conversation. How do they how do they know? Are they reading about these in the paper? They don't have TVs, they don't have radios. Are they reading about these matches in the paper? Are they attending them? Like, they're all over the world. Do you remember how in Hello from the Magic Tavern, they have all the different ways that you can tune in to watch um, mittens, including, yeah. like, isn't there one that's, like, slaughtering a cow and, like, watching it? Yeah, you <laughs> watching slaughter a horse it, and watch it in its horse. blood. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, in this case, I have no idea. Like, I'm assuming it's just the paper, but, like... That's not very exciting. It's not. They're like, you know, they're like, oh, they like, they're like ex- enthusiastically talking about like, oh, they like edged him out in the last minute or, oh, it's like so, you know, or even things like, well, Crumb's a decent player, but Ireland's got seven. It's like, how do you know? How many games have you seen of Bulgarian Quidditch? Like, how are you to know any of this? Mm-hmm. How does Ron even keep up with the Chudley Cannons? Yeah, I don't know if he like, <laughs> I mean, it just seems so... Uh, distant from like how we receive like news like this that a kid would go to like his mom or dad and be like hey did the cannons win last night and then like have the answer be enough but like these are country old fashioned kids it's just truly like it's baffling to me because I just don't understand how you could be a a devoted fan of a sport that you cannot see ever This this is literally the most millennial conversation I've ever heard this is like well maybe um maybe arthur can get other free tickets to like local games from work but like this is the world cup so they bring harry i I think it's i think it's something where it's like yeah he doesn't go to many games that's what makes us special Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. he follows the team reads in the newspaper sees it 
and talks to people and they tell them and like I said, it's very millennial mindset to be like if you can't see it it doesn't exist no, it's not even millennial <laughs> how do i know you went to belize it's not on your instagram even on even in the 20s they listened to baseball games on the fucking radio okay, they don't right. even have that it's just like or how do you radio. get emotionally engaged in something you can't actually experience correct yeah so that's why you go to the game that's why right. you go to the game but these games are happening in uganda and peru <laughs> right okay, that's okay true. hold on we are reading a book about people who literally just transport it through a fucking fireplace, and you literally just asked, how do they get to these places? Does flu powder <laughs> work internationally? How, how do the, I think it would have to. How do the people on the broomies with the magical powers? It just seems like it would be too m- much. How did the school from... Oh, they, they took their magical boat under the water and it just Both appeared? perspectives are valid. Would you have oh, to dump wow. like a whole like sachet of like flu powder to get all the way to oh, like man. Peru? Well, how did, that, how did that one school with the magical flying cart? Oh, that's right. They just flew there. I am never going to be satisfied oh, even wow. in this series for an answer being because wow. magic. Okay. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Ron asks Harry if he's heard from Sirius Black, and the answer is yes, and that's it. It's a very brief conversation. It's like, thumbs up. Gotcha. They're like, about anything in particular, and Harry's like, hmm, what have I learned in the past three books about telling people what's going on? Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Everything's fine. Wouldn't it be crazy if literally, like, it's like a movie, and they ask that lines in the movie, and Harry says it, and then you just see his eyes stare off, and you just hear flashback. You just hear like sounds in the background, <laughs> and you're like, "Wait a second, there was a whole side quest here," and they're like, "Oh yeah, whole side quest, whole whole just, adventure, like, horror imagery of nightmares yeah. of people being killed." Yeah, like we <laughs> went, we went, we murdered some people uh, for a weekend. <laughs> Harry's like, I am not sure entirely how complicit I have been in a couple of murders at this point, (laughs) which is a lot for a 14-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why he's just like, yeah, yeah, Ron, I I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Mrs. Weasley finally sends everyone to bed and um, because they have to be up at the crack of dawn to get to the World Cup. Um, and she's going to spend the day getting their school supplies from Diagon Alley. And she's honestly probably like really, really stoked to be able to just go shopping by herself. I would be if I were her. I'm also hoping that Harry like wizard Venmoed her enough money yeah. for this because she surely does not have the cash to be also getting his school supplies. And Harry is very rich. Yeah, it's, you're right about that. He should be paying them rent. He is wealthy enough to be <laughs> paying them rent. Yeah. Um. That's it, gang. That's the end of the chapter. Is there anything that we failed to address that you just simply must discuss? If anything, we just failed to undress, and that was really a disappointment to me. Aw. Uh, wizards invented international travel. They also have. They're also recklessly murdering children for their own blood sport, and uh, you know, don't ever pass up on a chance to have sex with two twins. <laughs> Uh, Those indeed. Are Mike's lessons at knife point. <laughs> Which is another podcast you should tune into. Or else. Well, that seems like a good a segue as any directly into our plug portion of today's episode. Um, I would love to start by plugging our Patreon. September's bonus episode um, for our patrons covered My Immortal. 
the very mysterious and gothic and legendary Harry Potter fan fiction and all of its lore. Special shout out to Haley for running that one for us. Link is in the show notes. Please support us on Patreon to get more bonus episodes of that nature. Brooke, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at passion for parks You can find me on Twitter at GrumpyBrook. And this week, I would love to plug a book that I have been demanding everybody in my entire social circle read. It's called oh, Malice. Yeah. You're bringing it to me. I am. It's called Malice by Heather Walter. It's part of the reason I'm so excited is because it's so rare that I just walk into a bookstore and I picked up a book based entirely on cover art. Ooh. And I flipped open the inner jacket and I read like a couple sentences and I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll get it. And then what I proceeded to read was one of the most original, well-thought-out, delightful, sapphic fantasy novels. It is a retelling of Sleeping Beauty. It is fucking amazing. It's it's one of two, but the second book is already, like, written and good to go and coming out in May of next year. So this is not a thing we have to worry about reading it or getting invested in it. Nice. (laughs) And it's just so good it is a great book everyone should read it i i make no hesitation there everyone should read it is very very good and i loved every minute of it and you should too malice by heather walter oh my god i'm so freaking excited read it <laughs> mike where can people find you on the internet uh they can find me on the internet at 208.67.22.222 um or that? I thought maybe you'd plug your Instagram or something. Oh, I thought you needed my local IP address. My bad. Um, <laughs> you asked me where I was on the internet. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Weird Cars of RVA. Um, you can also find me on TikTok at Magic Mike Dance Dance Dance. You cannot find him at Magic Mike Dance Dance Dance. <laughs> I wish. Oh man. Um, but yeah, sadly, I am not as well-versed as my amazing, intelligent, beautiful wife, so I do not have any books to recommend. Oh, pluck that poem that you've been digging lately. Oh, there was a really good Leonard Cohen poem, uh, called Kanye West is not Picasso. It's freaking amazing. It's a really short poem, so if you got two minutes, just literally type on Google, Kanye West is not Picasso. It's an amazing Well, it's also linked in the show notes. Okay, cool beans. But yeah, that's Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at ChristinaTheCon. You can follow me on Twitter at ChristinaCon. And you can follow me on TikTok at Sprout's Private Stash. This week, I have to recommend to you... Dun, 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 what is it? What did I decide? I forgot already. Oh, Bob's Burgers. I was, I'm plugging it because the new season started last week. And um, last Sunday, actually. And um, I fucking love that show. Y'all know I love that show. I've plugged it before. I just wanted to let anyone who doesn't know that there's a new season know that there's a new season. I don't know anything. I haven't watched it yet. Podcasts get recorded ahead of time. (laughs) Well, that's that. Brooke, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on this fine, fine evening. Absolutely. We're always happy to get to hang out with each other in someone else's presence. We're the <laughs> masterful couple of making other people third wheel for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're I actually probably one of the few people that has like enough of a sense of like self and strong personality that like you can't be made a third wheel. You're no, actually yeah, you are the you're a unicycle, and, <laughs> and we're just like clinging to the back. And we're of just it. yeah, I don't know what the fuck we are. I don't know what else goes on a unicycle. You're we're on a trick bike. You're actually driving it. I'm sitting on the handlebars and Mike's on the pegs on the back. 
town. <laughs> and we're totes about to go play N64 at Eric's house right now. So, like, and I think he has some weed from his older brother. Guys, how am I supposed to naturally wrap it up from here? Just All go right. for it. Plug All straight right. in. I gotta go finish reading Tricky Candy for Tricky Boys before this book starts disciplining me. Bye. Bye. Mike, say bye. Bye! The Restricted Section is thrilled to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features amazing other podcasts such as My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. My Cabbages is an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that was started by two lovable nerds during a global pandemic to stave off their inevitable existential crisis. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you. Sitting there on a seal. Well, now look it back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. Get a knife to scratch your back with? Yes. You gotta show her the knife. It's a large knife. That movie sucked. I kinda liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.